Talk, the voice of Ratio Christi at Marshall University. My name is John Mays. I'm your host, also the regional director for the states of West Virginia and Pennsylvania, along with being the chapter director at Marshall University. On today's show, the hallucination theory. What is that? I'm glad you ask. The hallucination theory is the idea that argues that the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus were not literal appearances, but were instead hallucinations experienced by his followers. And this is a very common objection to the belief that a man rose from the dead. In fact, most people probably don't believe that men raised from the dead, especially Jesus. And it's why it's so important that we know as Christians why we believe what we believe. If you're going around telling people that a man rose from the dead, you probably should know why you believe such a thing. However, that's not the topic. That's not the point. Today's point is one of the most common objections, and that being, as stated, the hallucination theory. David Strauss popular, popular, yeah, easy for me to say, popularized this theory in his book, A New Life of Jesus, published in two volumes in 1879. Strauss suggests that the recollection of Jesus' teachings in the clear air of Galilee produced among some of the more emotional disciples hallucinations of Jesus appearing to them. This podcast, this show, will demonstrate (laughs) the falsehood the disciples hallucinated the resurrection appearances of Jesus. Yes, I know. Serious topic, and I think I'm a comedian. Hallucinations are individual occurrences. Clinical psychologist Dr. Gary Collins states, Hallucinations are individual occurrences. Gee. By their very nature, only one person can see a given hallucination at a time. They certainly are not something which can be seen by a group of people, since a hallucination exists only in the subjective, personal sense. It is obvious that others cannot witness it, according to Dr. Collins. Some say that this would be a bold statement. It would seem to stop the objection uh, of the hallucination theory dead in its tracks. However, the hallucination theory, as I stated, is regaining popularity. This is due in part to New Testament scholars such as Gerd Ludman, Dr. Ludman states, and he states a lot, so bear with me here, a case that is quite reminiscent of 19th century attempts, holding that this explanation can be applied to all of the chief participants in the earliest church, the disciples, Paul, the 500, and James, brother of Jesus. Ludman holds that it is clear from Paul's language that the term O-P-H-T-H-E Greek, the term O-P-H-T-H-E, and I can't pronounce it, this is why I spelled it, 
But that term in 1 Corinthians 15.3 means that Paul was speaking of actual sight of his own active sensual perception, as well as that of the other apostles. Paul must have expected the Corinthians to understand the term historically. Lubman concludes that hallucinatory visions are required along with auditory features that produced a stimulus, enthusiasm, religious intoxication, and ecstasy for Peter. This spread to the other disciples by an incomparable chain reaction. Paul, the other 500 apostles, the other apostles, 500 persons, and James all similarly experienced these subjective visions. The appearances were collective, amounting to a mass ecstasy. If you run into somebody that can quote that back to you, then <laughs> they need to, you know, let them go on believing that because they've put some effort into it. No, but seriously, if you do run into somebody that is going to use this objection, they may know a little bit about Dr. Ludman, but I'm going to show you why he is wrong. <laughs> However, prior to doing that, most experts in the field of psych psychology concur with Dr. Collins that being the one who argues hallucinations are not possible in a group setting. Okay, so don't get confused on where we're going here. Dr. Sibcy, S-I-B-C-Y, commented, I have surveyed the professional literature, peer-reviewed journal articles and books written by psychologists, psychiatrists, and other relevant healthcare professionals during the past two decades and have yet to find a single documented case of a group hallucination. That is, an event for which more than one person shared in a visual or other sensory perception where there was clearly no exter external referent. So, <laughs> it's like, and I've, I've used this example a few times and some people may have heard it, but it's like having a dream and you wake up, and if you're married, you wake your wife up and say, Hey, I'm having this great dream. Let's go back to sleep, and you join me in it. That's the what people are trying to argue as a group hallucination. It can't happen. It's an individual, typically someone who has a mental health issue, that hallucinates. So let me go on. Atheist, popular atheist, Richard Carrier wrote that, he believes the best explanation consistent with both scientific findings and the surviving evidence particular to, particular to Christianity and the general cultural in which it rose is that the first Christians experienced hallucinations of the risen Christ of one form or another. Carrier attempts to use a statement of science and other surviving evidence in favor of the hallucination theory, which... In reality, the evidence, or the lack thereof, points in favor of the opposite. That's the whole idea. The hallucination theory, like I said, is one of many objections to the resurrection. But in the same sense, if you know why you believe, if you just know the minimal facts approach that Dr. Habermas uses, and I will talk about him here in a minute, if you know the five minimal facts, six, there's probably 13 facts total, concerning Jesus' resurrection. It's why we can say if the resurrection happened, Christianity is true. 
It doesn't matter what anybody says or objection they throw out. If the resurrection happened, Christianity is true. That's how important this is. And that's why when people object, we need to know how to answer them. So, anyway, as we progress, Lee Strobel, well-respected apologist and author, critiques the hallucination theory. I went to a psychologist friend and said, if 500 people claimed to see Jesus after he died, it was just a hallucination. And what did he say? Hallucinations are an individual event. If 500 people have the same hallucination, that's a bigger miracle than the resurrection itself. So, it's not one of the strongest objections, but you will hear it. It is well documented that hallucinations do not occur in group form. In fact, most derive from a mental illness, as I said. Typically, there's... and uh, Never mind, we'll go on from a mental illness or lead to some type of psychological disorder. These, the arguments presented above are a strong defense of why the hallucination theory is false, meaning the arguments that I've just talked with you about, they are not a group event. A hallucination is individual, typically with somebody with mental health issues. The evidence presented would appear to show why this particular objection to the resurrection of Jesus is one of the most refuted. Seems obvious. But this is only the foundation of why the contention that the disciples hallucinated the resurrection appearance of Jesus is false. So here is our argument. Not only do psychologists and the peer-reviewed journals and the best example is if a group hallucination took place then that's a bigger miracle than the resurrection itself so moving on with more evidence hallucinations rarely transform lives i mean seriously think about it think about in the case of the apostles it's evident that the eyewitness accounts of jesus indeed transformed their lives if one is to consider the actions of the apostles on the night of jesus's betrayal and think about what happened that night it's clear that these men were afraid to be associated with Jesus. I mean, Peter denied Christ three times following his arrest. Paul, a murderer of Christian Christians, had possibly the most extreme change of heart given his conversion from the ranks of Jewish scholarship, <laughs> that sounds kind of strange, Jewish scholarship, to one of Christianity's greatest scholars, James, brother of Jesus, did not believe his brother was the Messiah. And think about that. How many of you have brothers that walk in and say, hey, I'm the Messiah? It's unlikely a Jewish unbeliever would be in the frame of mind to experience a life-changing hallucination. However, atheist Michael Martin remarks, people who have not claimed to be eyewitnesses of Jesus' appearances have also been transformed into people who are willing to die for their Christian beliefs. In addition, Christian heretics have been willing to die for their beliefs. Let us not forget that Muslims, Mormons, followers of Jim Jones, kamikaze pilots, and many others have been willing to die for what they believed. Surely, many of these people were transformed by previous experiences and became martyrs because of those experiences. The fact that people are willing to die for their beliefs can show many things. Strength of character, extreme devotion, 
and even fantasism, but it's hard to see that it indicates that what is believed is true or even that the evidential basis of the belief should be taken seriously. Again, the emphasis on apologetics and knowing why you believe something, because people have thought about these things, and outside of the Holy Spirit, there are reasons that they're not Christians. Well, the Holy Spirit and other Christians, I should probably throw that in there. Uh, Point being, it's so important, and once again, I'm singing to the choir, I know, you need to know why. Why are you a Christian? The easy answer is it's true. Fantastic. Why is it true? Because if the resurrection happened, Christianity is true. Keep that in mind as I go through the rest of this on one of the biggest objections to the resurrection currently. Eyewitness testimony is typically considered the strongest evidence. I've presented three of the most accepted eyewitnesses of the risen Christ. Paul states in 1 Corinthians 15:6, there are over 500 more. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. The resurrection evidence is built on eyewitness account, a crucial foundation in the defense of hallucinations. People who hallucinate are often able to be talked out of them when they are presented with contrary evidence. So, anyway, according to Kraft and, I want to spell this, T-A-C-E-L-L-I, and they're two writers and doctor, apologists, scholars, whatever. Anyway, hallucinations usually last a few seconds or a minute, rarely hours. More evidence against group hallucinations. This one, this one the hallucination theory, <laughs> these guys hung around for 40 days. That's the argument against us. <laughs> they're saying these guys hallucinated, and not only did they hallucinate, it hung around for 40 days. And doctors say, first of all, no, no such thing as group hallucinations. No, lives aren't changed. And no, hallucinations only last a few seconds or minutes, much less hours or 40 days like this particular thing that <laughs> that they want to argue against us. It makes no sense. I mean, and that's what gets so, one of the many frustrating things that get to me because if all of these things have been heard for 2,000 years, all these objections, there are, there's not anything new out there. I mean, the Bible states that as well. But there's nothing that if an atheist or a non-follower or somebody comes up with that they think that they've just nailed Christianity's false, chances are it's been answered. That's why if people actually were out talking to people, we would be, I and other apologists, a lot more busy or we would be busier whichever i'm sorry i try to be grammatically correct for all of you but if you know me you know better point being once again know what you believe know why you believe it all you need are some basics and we can make such a difference and how basic would this be if you understood that the hallucination objection doesn't carry any weight. In fact, it's false. So here we go. A little bit more. Consider how complex it would be for Thomas to hallucinate that Jesus told him to put his hands on Jesus' wounds 
just at the same moment that the ten other disciples also hallucinated that Thomas was doing exactly that. You see, this this objection is so weak, but you have to get to this point. You can't go out and argue this unless you know that truth exists, morality exists, different things of that nature that I try to help you to understand the importance of to where you can have a conversation instead of just saying, oh, you get saved, Jesus is going to do save all, solve all your problems and life will be great. And Oh, buddy. Now multiply the likelihood of these hallucinations with every encounter that the disciples ever had with Jesus. One can now begin to see why the hallucination uh, theory has been refuted so extensively and the contention that the disciples hallucinated the resurrection of appearance of Jesus is false. There's no way around it. You may be sitting there thinking, you're right, this is kind of simple and kind of stupid, John. Well, yes, but one of my students from Racial Christian Marshall was an atheist, and he argued this for two years. Group sightings, group sightings, you know, what about group sightings? It's, it's not the same. He would not accept hallucinations being different than group sightings. But it, again, if you know why you believe the resurrection happened, it doesn't matter. You can actually give them. Fine. They hallucinated. Here's one. How do you, how do you overcome this? If you give them hallucinations, how do they overcome the empty tomb? Even if the eleven, Paul and James, all had experienced hallucinations, his body would have still been in the tomb. Hello? <laughs> you see? It's not that hard. And I'm just asking us to go out and talk to people. And we're, I don't know. I don't understand why we're not. Because God is on our side. We know who wins in the end. And we're commanded to have these answers. The empty tomb is possibly the strongest defense of any evidence. Dr. Gary Habermas, one of my heroes, New Testament scholar and historian, Liberty University, states, Roughly 75% of scholars on the subject accept the empty tomb as historical fact. One of the 25% that do not agree is Dr. Bart Ehrman. And if you've listened to any of my podcasts, you've heard of Dr. Ehrman. I think that he is just trying to make more money nowadays. He's a New Testament scholar that is now agnostic. <laughs> so, yeah, figure that one out. Dr. Ehrman is one of the most popular New Testament scholars of today. He claims we don't know if the tomb was empty three days later. I'm not sure really how he gets to that point. We do know, and I'm going to tell you why. Former Oxford University church historian William Wand writes, All the strictly historical evidence we have is in favor of the empty tomb, and those scholars who reject it, ought to recognize that they do so on some other ground than that of scientific history. Again, Peter Kreft and Ronald, as I said yet earlier, T-A-C-E-L-L-I, conclude that this does not explain the empty tomb, rolled away stone, or the inability to present the corpse. All the en enemies of Christianity has to do is to present a body. 
so simple. It was Jesus was crucified in Jerusalem. I mean, his appearances and risen body were professed to have happened there first. His enemies, along with the Roman government, were aware of the claims, uh, but they couldn't produce a body. A body would have stopped Christianity, and the hallucination theory would not even exist. Also, there is nothing written throughout history from Roman, Jewish, or critics of Christianity concerning such an event. Many may state this is an argument from silence. Again, that's a little bit more than you may need to know. It is much more than that. It is evidence against the hallucination theory and many other objections. Some of these objections are the resurrection of the resurrection, or the disciples stole the body and Christianity itself. The empty tomb provides one of the strongest pieces of evidence against the hallucination theory. According to Habermas, even if the twelve, Paul and James, had all experienced hallucination, his body would still be in the tomb. And that's what, that should be how easy it is, but it's not. People don't choose God. People don't seek God. They don't seek truth. And most of them don't really give it much thought. That's why we need to be talking about it more. I'm going to conclude this, uh, <laughs> wrap it up, or whatever you want to call it. The hallucination theory is one of the most refuted objections to the disciples' belief of seeing the risen Jesus. The evidence that hallucinations do not occur in groups and are individual occurrences is supported by numerous experts. Those holding to the hallucination theory are a small minority. They cling to an objection that has been well refuted. The evidence presented indicates the falsehood of the hallucination theory. However, we have provided the following two arguments to solidify our case. We being myself, reading from a paper submitted as part of my master's program in apologetics. Evidence has been presented to show hallucinations rarely change lives. However, in the case of the apostles, their lives were dramatically changed to the point of death. Here, we presented, we again, me, three eyewitness accounts of the risen Jesus, the two most compelling being Paul and James. Paul, a former killer of Christians, left the ranks of Jewish scholarship to become one of Christianity's greatest scholars. And James, the brother of Jesus, left his Jewish roots to die, to die for what he believed to be true. There are many that may die for a lie, but few will die for what they believe to be true. Remember that. The empty tomb provides the strongest piece of evidence, even if the 11 and 500 other witnesses hallucinated, the body of Christ would be in the tomb. To many, looking back on history, the logical solution would have been to present the body. Instead, we have approximately 75% of scholars accepting the empty tomb. Though a majority, the evidence presented is 100% factual. And you know me, I like facts and I like truth. Popular in the, in the 19th century and with a mild resurgence today, the hallucination theory, we can see the falsehood of what people claim the disciples and the appearances of the resurrected Jesus be false. The falsehood the disciples hallucinated the resurrection appearances of Jesus. With all that being said, questions or comments, uh, you can email me at johnmays at org, 
or if you'd like to join our financial support team, uh, it's greatly appreciated. A one-time gift during this time of the year, as I mentioned previously, uh, is that we raised the majority of our support in these last month, month and a half time frame. So one got one-time gift would be greatly appreciated, or even more so for budgeting purposes, become a monthly supporter. You can do that at johnmays.ratiochristi.org. Until next time, I would hope that you weren't thunderstruck, but maybe you were.